Welcome everyone to On Podcast, your Microsoft podcast, where we talk about Microsoft stuff on a podcast. I'm your host today, Kareem Anderson, and I'm joined by David Allen, and I promise I am not AI generated. He says that, ladies and gentlemen, but can we really trust him these days? <laughs> Things have gotten way out of hand. Um, we are going to be talking another week of Microsoft news. Uh, we have a ton of headlines, so we have some interesting things to talk about. Uh, our final discussion is probably the one we're most forward to look, uh, most looking forward to, yes. uh, because it deals with AI, uh, as you said off the top. But let's get through our headlines, let everyone kind of know what we're about to talk to. So I'm going to run through uh, yours first, uh, at least the ones you picked out for the week. And we're going to be talking about Microsoft Teams unveiling private lines, uh, evaluating exclusivity for secret calls. That should be interesting. Uh, Activision Blizzard and Microsoft uh, are now essentially one, and Microsoft's first act of uh, 2023 as the new owner is to not do anything, according to this headline. Uh, there will be uh, no Game Pass games uh, based on Activision Blizzard games in 2023, according to uh, Xbox Boss. Uh, Amazon is about to do the unspeakable. They are about to use Microsoft Cloud uh, service. Uh, this is going to be very interesting to talk about. Uh, I have in my headline section that uh, Windows 11 has surpassed 400 million users, which is always been kind of the staple mark for the success of an operating system. If you can get past the 350 million mark. Uh, I also have some numbers as far as uh, how that means, what that means relatively speaking to everything else in the world as far as scale and size. Uh, another headline we have is that Microsoft is the second most impersonated brand uh, for phishing attacks, which have reached an all-time record high. We'll get into that as well. And uh, Starfield was the best-selling game in uh, the U.S. in September, which is no small feat. Uh, we'll also let you know uh, what beat it out, or, or it's been where it marks as the top-selling game in 2023 of all time of, for the year, and what what it actually comes behind, I guess, uh, so to speak. So, with that being said, let's get into our first headline, shall we? Let's do it. Um, I'm gonna jump in there with something about Microsoft Teams. Microsoft Teams is getting another feature, um, something called Private Line, which elevates exclusivity for your secret calls. So, when you first hear Private Line, you know, I thought of the, you know, red phone and the White House that you hear a lot of people talk about, you know, wow, I'm going to have, you know, something secret here and you can do private things. But really what this is, is it's just for incoming calls right now. Outgoing calls will be later where you have basically your own line to where somebody can call you directly. You get a special ringtone when somebody calls that line and it makes sure that everything is, is else is interrupted. So nothing that you need to talk about is necessarily getting through. So, you know, to, to equate it to some folks out there, you remember back in the day when we all had regular telephone lines and, you know, as teenagers, it was cool to get your own private line in your bedroom. So, you know, you didn't miss any calls whatsoever. That's kind of what this is here. And um, it's supposed to be coming out sometime in November. We don't have a specific launch date, but it should come out sometime in November. And it'll be interesting to see how people use this and how companies track this. And um Nothing yet about what is on the back end to allow the admins to see the private lines and the private calls and what they're used for. So that will be interesting to see how that all plays out. Uh, yeah, uh, we waited with beta breath for that. We have all my secret Teams messages all to myself. 
those that we uh, don't want anybody else to know about. Exactly. And people are like, what's that new ringtone? I'll be like, none of your business. <laughs> uh, I'm going to be talking about Windows 11 surpassing 400 million users uh, as leaked Microsoft data reveals that, uh, the new milestone. Uh, our friends over Windows Central got a hold of this uh, kind of information and we're reporting on it as well. Uh, but apparently Windows 11 currently powers over 400 million monthly active devices. Uh, while this number is impressive, it took the operating system just over a year to achieve the milestone, uh, which in contrast, Windows 10 reached uh, 400 million active uh, users uh, in a much shorter span. Uh, in context, Windows, late, Windows 8 preceded that, so it was a mass exodus uh, that helped, I believe, Windows 10 reach its number much faster. Uh, despite this slower adoption rate, the report suggests that the software giant had set modest expectations for the usage base of Windows 11 uh, going into you know, the, uh, the release of it. However, the operating system has surpassed uh, even their own their internal goals uh, consistently. Windows 11 has proved, uh, proven more successful than anticipated from a user standpoint. Microsoft's internal data predicts that Windows 11 will reach about 500 million active uh, devices by early 2024. Uh, again, that could probably mean all the spring, which is probably the beginning of May. So, uh, or ends at the beginning of May, I believe, or something like that. Uh, or no, I guess spring goes until, what is that, June-ish, right? Sure. So, Technically speaking, they could have all of May and, and uh, somehow reach that 500 million mark. Again, they're over 400 million as it is now. So they're well on their way to achieving their own internal marks. So, like I said, for a bit of context, uh, we always kind of compare Apple's to Microsoft's. <laughs> uh, there are 100 million Mac users worldwide uh, as of the beginning of this year. They're now, you know, the M2, whatever's been out, it's been about uh, eight months or 10 months or whatever. So the number could be up a bit by that by that faction. I doubt it's more than uh, 50 million or so. So we'll say roughly 110, 120 million Mac users potentially. That's of all time. There are, five, there are over 400 million of just this version of Windows. There are still many more uh, on Windows 10, uh, for some reason, some on Windows 8, and there's still a, a, a decent amount on Windows 7. So uh, five, 400 million uh, for Windows 11 is not a bad thing. We'll be seeing them probably start talking about Windows 12 pretty soon and the shift to that, and we'll see how that affects uh, the rest of the adoption rate for Windows 11 going forward. But uh, just good to know that you know we're finally getting some numbers on where Windows 11 stands as far as uh, adoption rate is concerned. It would also be interesting to see how many of those getting to 500 million or new PC buys I think I, I want to say I want to probably 100 million were just in the, the year and a half span during the pandemic. So uh, I'm sure that helped accelerate beyond their modest expectations. What's our next headline? Let's see. We're going to talk about Activision one more time. The Activision Blizzard. But this time the merger is done and the Xbox 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 boss has <laughs> has spoken and he's not really got good news for the gamers there are a lot of folks out there that were looking for something here in 2023 from Activision Blizzard and mainly based on because well you did it for Bethesda because the day that the Bethesda deal closed you launched the backward the, the back catalog and kind of held out some of the new games well that's just not going to happen here in 2023 i know we have talked about it a couple times he's kind of put the seal of approval on it basically saying that the legal process took a while 
and they weren't able to get the work done to get the back catalog working. Now that the deal, now that the deal is closed, we're starting that work, but but there's a lot of work. He said he thought that the process would complete or be at least where we can get some titles early 2024. Personally, kind of what I was expecting. I know there's you know the the legions of Call of Duty fans out there that would love to see Call of Duty right now on Game Pass launch it today. But if you think about it, Call of Duty is the Activision Blizzard cash cow for the most part. You know, that's that billion dollar shot that they can pretty much count on every every year, every November to close out the year. And I really don't think he would want to interrupt that by putting it on Game Pass and saying, here you go, without some plans in place. That would be a lot of cash to interrupt. Uh, I mean, I don't necessarily see it as an interruption. I think it's the implementation. Uh, remember, uh, Call of Duty is the most prickliest uh, property in, in the catalog. That's the one that was fought over the most. That's the one that's been scrutinized the most. That's the mm-hmm. one that Microsoft has promised a bunch of people a bunch of th- different things. Uh, I don't even believe Ubisoft has the infrastructure set in place to distribute Call of Duty once it becomes a, a streaming uh, a streaming uh, property. That's the whole crux of the deal that got the CMA to approve it to begin with. So they have to put all of that in place before they can even say, hey, here's Call of Duty for Xbox. Because the minute they do, it has to be shipped over to Ubisoft. Ubisoft has to now be able to allow PlayStation, uh, Nintendo, and everyone else that Microsoft has given the the ten the ten year deal with, and others to stream it. You can't say here's Xbox and then we'll work mm-hmm. on everybody else. It has to the minute that it goes up, uh, or Microsoft ready to do it, available for everybody. And I don't believe that infrastructure is in place at all, uh, and won't be anytime soon because again, that is one that. Microsoft still has to pay Ubisoft in order to license it, and then they get money back from them for everyone who has a chance to do it. Uh, we also have to have everyone have their own developers work on their streaming cloud services, knowing well in advance that, hey, we're about to get this property. We have to make sure that it works on our servers and that it's up, you know, it's up times are available if they're not using Azure. Like there's, to your point, there's a whole bunch that needed to be done in order to even just, that's just Call of Duty, let alone what happens with Diablo, World of Warcraft, uh, any of the, the King mobile stuff. So Microsoft is going to be doing a lot of, uh, I guess, laying the foundation for uh, distribution, I think, for the rest of this year. Uh, and that's, again, that's nothing to say that they still have to get past the FTC because say they put all this work into place, the FTC can still say, unbundle all of that, go back you know, to scratch and, and do it a different way, or this deal is not going to get done. So you know, they're, they're taking the rest of this year. Maybe they're just going to go drink some champagne, read over some of the, the internal notes on how the structure works, maybe uh, talk about some of their, uh, you know, uh, backings for unions and all the other stuff, you know, get continue the goodwill before even worrying about distributing the games because the games will make money themselves, money that Microsoft will collect on. So uh, I don't know why gamers, some gamers expected this to be that quick of a turnaround. It's, it's uh, a whole different vibe than Bethesda, I think. I have a theory on that, and, and folks, forgive me for what I'm about to say, but I think the theory is right now the Xbox Series X Call of Duty game, don't quote me here, but I believe it, the one coming out in a couple of weeks is $69 for the base version, and then there's you know, always the premium version that's usually a few bucks more. 
I think our big Call of Duty players, our big Diablo players are looking at that Game Pass cost. Game Pass Ultimate, what is it, sixteen ninety nine plus tax? Okay, yeah. and, and I think they're wanting it done so they don't have to go spend the seventy bucks. You know, they're like, "Come on, Microsoft, get it done, get it to us." You know, before November third, please. You know, <laughs> so we, you know, and that's just not possible. As you know, Phil Spencer mentioned. I watched a little more of his interview. He mentioned they couldn't start working on this stuff while the legal process was going on, even though if they thought they were going to win for legal purposes, they had to get the win to start any work. And I think that's important for gamers specifically to remember. Definitely. Uh, I got this headline, which is Microsoft is the second most impersonated brand for phishing attacks, not for anything good. Unfortunately, Uh, Q3 2023 saw a significant increase in both phishing and malware attacks. Uh, Phishing volumes increased by 173%. Like, Mm -hmm. everyone's just sending fake emails to everyone. Uh, Compared to previous quarters, with a total of 493.2 million phishing emails, a sea of them. Uh, Malware attacks rose by 110%, reaching uh, 125.7 million emails just this quarter. Uh, August was the most active month for phishers. Uh, with over 207.3 million phishing emails, followed by September and July. Facebook and Microsoft remained the top two impersonated brands by hackers. In uh, Q3 2023, Facebook was the most impersonated brand with a significant increase in phishing URLs compared to the previous quarter. Phishing and malware, uh, and it was amongst the top 10 most impersonated brands in uh, Q3 of this year. Microsoft remained the most impersonated corporate brand uh, with hackers targeting Microsoft 365 users in various attacks. These attacks aim to compromise victims by bypassing Microsoft 365's native security features. The report details two Microsoft uh, 365 attacks. Uh, so if you want to be on the lookout for these, one using a Baidu link redirecting uh, and another using a QR codes. So if you see two of those, you see anything that mentions Baidu or you see QR codes, avoid please. Uh, these attacks use various techniques to bypass email filters and uh, compromise victims, unfortunately. Uh, email continues to be the top vector for phishing and malware attacks. The report emphasized the need for integrated email security solutions, automated phishing, awareness training to protect organizations. I don't understand. I mean, I do. I apologize. I understand how this could happen. Uh, there are people who don't scrutinize their emails necessarily, and Microsoft's a trusted brand uh, for better or for worse. So. I guess this comes with the with the territory when you are the office productivity known suite. Anything that says Microsoft comes into you from eight to six o'clock or whatever, you're probably likely going to open it because you you know, especially for companies are using Microsoft. Uh, even if you are an outside person, you have partners, vendors, uh, clients who use Microsoft. You tend to open those kind of things. So I can see why they're doing that. I can also see why Facebook is probably the number one. Uh, you know, it has well, how many? Three billion, two billion, whatever amount of users or whatever daily. So, you know, I think this is just a part and parcel for uh, big name brands. The amount of increase for these attacks is troubling. It's troubling for for very many for very many reasons. What do you think? I see it daily as a developer and you know server admin. I see these things. As a matter of fact, I have dealt with one today, and I dealt with a couple yesterday. Um, Part of the problem is, let's be bluntly honest, we tend to these days get an email, open it, we're ready to move on to the next thing. And as you mentioned, 
we don't take that extra 30 seconds to scrutinize that email just a little bit because when these guys are fishing for it, folks, they know exactly where your muscle reflex is going to be in a Microsoft email, and they know exactly where to put that link to get you to click it, and they know how to make the emails look close enough to be legit. I mean, maybe the color's off a shade, but they realize, just like I just said, you're moving through these things so quickly these days that you don't notice it. That's the problem. We've got to take we've got to take that extra minute, whether you're a consumer, whether you're a business, take that extra minute and read that email. Look at it. If it doesn't smell right, don't click it. It, it it's literally that simple. I miss the days of the Nigerian princes who just wanted to sell artwork. <laughs> yes. What do you got for us as our next headline? Let's see, folks. Um we've got one more we've got speaking of microsoft and office an interesting thing here microsoft amazon is going to use microsoft cloud and they are buying 1 billion 365 licenses yes you heard that right amazon microsoft's rival is coming to Microsoft to buy $1 billion in Microsoft 365 seats over the next five years. So Amazon aims to start selling the service in November. So what is Amazon going to do here? Are they going to set up Windows instances in their Amazon Cloud and include that in there, that's a possibility. I don't think they would be selling them direct by no means. They would have no reason to necessarily. But I think there's going to be some sort of bundle option there with the Microsoft Cloud because they want to get people to be able to use Copilot in some of the Amazon services. And some folks out there, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe you can go to the Amazon cloud and you can actually buy a Windows instance of some sort and have a remote desktop. Uh, I know you can do that with Azure. I know you can do that with um, Google Cloud. And I think you can do that with Amazon. I have personally never done it, but I'm interested to see what Amazon plans to do with $1 billion worth of 365 licenses that is a big financial deal as well for microsoft that's one of the biggest i've heard of as the internet would say got him this is the stephen elop effect ladies and gentlemen <laughs> you had it happen you've watched it in real time uh the same way that we used a sleeper agent um and cheering candidate so to speak with stephen elop and nokia we did the same thing with uh, i mean with uh panos panay and amazon the second panel shows up Amazon's dropping billions of dollars. Coincidence? Perhaps. Um, but I like to so. think with my tinfoil hat, it's not. Um, no, to your point, uh, Amazon is, they're currently working on their AI generative uh, stuff. They also offer a very Spartan-esque uh, productivity suite. I think to your point, people want to use Amazon, uh, especially for the scalability but they also still live in a world with Microsoft. So this is the best way to keep them as AWS customers 
without losing them in the full stack uh, to then eventually integrate uh, their own AI stuff and kind of push Microsoft out of that sector eventually versus losing them altogether and that being much harder to try and uh, win back later on. Uh, so uh, this is a strategic thing. Uh, it's interesting to see uh, whoever made this this deal, how this expands uh, for both uh, for both Microsoft and Amazon. But we'll keep an eye on it. I'm sure we'll be reporting about it over the next five years or so, however long this deal is in place. I do want to say one thing after what we've talked about the last two or three weeks about the cloud wars and whatnot. See, folks, Amazon Cloud, Microsoft Cloud, they can work together. We can behave, we can get along, and we can write checks to each other. Uh, I mean, in a utopian world, they should work together. That, that is more choice and more options for all of us. Uh, my last headline is Starfield was the best-selling game in the U.S. in, the US in September. Um, they, let's see, while Starfield's success comes as you know a surprise for some people, not everybody. We kind of here at Microsoft knew it was going to be pretty big. We didn't know to what extent, I suppose. Uh, but they were the uh, yeah best-selling game. Uh, they beat out uh, Mortal Kombat 1, uh, which is the remake, re-envisioning of Mortal Kombat, which is, uh, I played, pretty killer, just been a pun. Uh, they beat out EA Sports uh, FC 24, Madden, which is a yearly giant month or so, Payday 3, NBA 2K24, which, again, uh, we'll see if those numbers tick back up as the uh, NBA season starts up again. Uh, the Crew, Motorfest, and uh, Armored Core 5, Fires of Rubicon, uh, and Hogwarts Legacy. Uh, and these are all within the month of September. Uh, interestingly enough, uh, Starfield's success seems to gain at the long-standing, uh, seems to go against the long-standing belief held by some in the gaming industry that subscription services hurt game sales. Mind you, best-selling physical game. So these are people who went out to GameStop or went to their Best Buy or Target and purchased it. It just did not include the digital copies, which were probably uh, on par or if not more than people who went out and bought these physical copies. So uh, again, the idea that uh, X, things like Xbox Game Pass and I forget whatever PlayStation's version is called or uh, NVIDIA's uh, uh, GeForce or whatever they, I think, what is what is their service called? GeForce Now. GeForce Now. Uh, these things don't hurt necessarily they help and they again they make it they make the games more accessible uh they may evolve the way we purchase games but i don't think they are going to necessarily overall hurt the purchasing of individual games uh at least in the foreseeable future uh with that being said starfield was uh the seventh best-selling game of 2023 so far uh but i think spider-man is now being actually downloaded as we speak so we'll see how those numbers do because it is widely anticipated i think it's going to blow uh, a lot of these things you know break up this whole chart that everyone has for the top 20 games of 2023 i think it's gonna do very well but as of today uh prior to this uh spider-man coming out it was the seventh best game of 2023 again following hogwarts legacy uh the legend of zelda tears of the kingdom uh which uh came up behind hogwarts legacy surprisingly because everyone loved that game uh, Madden NFL 24, Diablo uh, 5, uh, Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2, Star Wars Jedi Survivor, which is also a very good game, uh, and then Starfield, and then Mortal Kombat was right behind that. So it's doing pretty well, uh, given uh, what everyone was kind of ex you know, expecting from the game. Well, you brought up two things there that re really perked my interest. One, as you said, that was the physical copies that people went to a store 
and bought. And I do miss the days of camping outside of the game stops and camping outside of the Best Buys to to get these titles at 12.01 in your time zone. And it would be interesting, and I know Microsoft would never show this number, but the number of Game Pass players to Starfield 1, and number two, the number of people that bought it digitally and paid full price for it and downloaded that just to see what those numbers are. Because to, to your point, I enjoyed back when, you know, we were younger, we would go to the game stops and we would put down back then what was 49 bucks, 59 bucks. Now we're up to 69 bucks. How many people think about the game pass games you play, the variety that you play, how many people have the, have the financial means, first of all, and two, to actually put down 69 and even sometimes $79 if you get the updated version with more features to get these individual titles. There's more picking and choose. There would be more picking and choosing going on. We'd have to be more selective. So to your point, Game Pass makes a lot of titles readily, readily available and the developers are still making money to continue to produce titles and we're not back when we used to buy them i we could almost predict okay it's springtime these games are coming it's wintertime these games were coming now we have a lot more choice and i think that has to do with the playstation pluses of the world the game passes of the world because it's accessible without having to have a hundred bucks a title or if three titles come out that month having to choose which of those three you want. Agreed. Um, we're going to get into our final discussion, which is, again, something that uh, we started off, Mike, but we will bring it back on to get you guys all involved in it. This uh, was written uh, based on some forecasting from the IDC, uh, the International Data Corporation. Uh, we kind of spun it for our own Microsoft-centric purposes, asking, could Microsoft stay in the spotlight? as generative AI is predicted to have a $143 billion investment by 2027. Now, again, this isn't Microsoft investing $143 billion. This is just the industry as a whole uh, getting ready to kind of leap onto this uh, generative AI wave. Uh, the forecast from the IDC uh, indicates significant growth and in investment in generative uh, artificial intelligence solutions over the coming years. Uh, Enterprises are expected to invest around 16 billion globally in, G in uh, generative AI solutions by 2023. So we'll see if we meet that number by the end of the year, next two months or so. Uh, the spending is expected to grow at a compound annual growth rate of 73.3% from uh, 2023 to 2027, reaching you know, the, the, the headline to total of 143 billion by 2027. The growth rate of G generative AI spending is more than twice that of overall AI spending and significantly higher than uh, the compound annual growth rate for worldwide IT spending. So uh, just that brief paragraph section, if you need to digest it, was saying that there has been AI for a while. Uh, there's, you know, we, we have no uh, forms about AI. We, we all kind of understand what it is. Generative AI, though, is a little bit something new. It's something that Microsoft has been pushing since the beginning of this year. It's something that Google has quickly adopted, you know, not adopted, but, you know, quickly started evolving uh, for their own purposes. Uh, Amazon's uh, getting into the game. IBM's been in the game for a while and they're, they're changing some things as well. Salesforce and a bunch of other big cloud players 
are all kind of getting into generative AI, which is again allowing uh, the, the consumer, allowing people to interact with it. Because again, you can have AI, you can set it up for research purposes and let it run its thing, but this is more of an interactive uh, purpose board and we're trying to see where this is going to go. What do you think before we get into more of this of this report? About everyone spending this much. That's a lot of money. Uh, and I, I think as we, <laughs> uh, you know, as we have mentioned, I think it's only going to grow because I think we're going to get to the point where there's AI specialists inside of corporations that know how to get them, know how to query the AI engines out there, how to how to build the AI engines, how to modify these AI engines to get the data that their specific company needs, like real estate, you know, for example, property, you know, sports, you know, there's going to, you know, any any type of sport, there's going to be these models running inside NFL teams. And maybe already in some cases, what if this happens? What does AI say, you know, happens? We're already seeing the commercials with Amazon being NFL sponsors. You know, well, we, the, my favorite one each week is we use AI to generate the NFL 2023-2024 schedule and, you know, showed injuries and whatnot. I think the money is just going to skyrocket. And I, yeah, don't, um, I don't see an end in sight for it in this case. No, I mean, businesses are always looking for ways to launder money, I suppose. Uh, one, uh, The report also goes over uh, some challenges and constraints that we might see for this. Uh, you and I talked off mic about scalability, but amongst those, here's some other things. Uh, workload shifts, resource allocation, pricing, I think, is, is going to be essential. We'll get into that in a second. Privacy and security concerns, another big thing. Possible consumer or government interventions uh, may further limit spending. Uh, you know, if, if uh, the FTC can get off its butt and, and kind of uh, work with businesses to kind of set a base regulation on this, this will slow down, I think, some of that spending. Because right now we're just, you know, would say businesses are throwing money into a closet, hoping that something comes out great. When we can tell you exactly what you're going to spend on, you get a little more discerning about uh, where your dollars go. Uh, and then the last one is generative AI spending is projected to account for about 28.1% of overall AI spending by the end of the year, uh, by the end of the forecast period. So again, that's uh, 2027, uh, with a significant increase from uh, about 9% in uh, 2023. So you go from 9% this year to about 28% uh, you know, for what some businesses are willing to spend by the end of 2027. Uh, there are some areas of investment, despite you know some of the challenges uh, during the build-out phase that will focus on investing in generative AI infrastructures, including hardware, uh, internet as a service, and uh, SS, uh, SIS uh, kind of setup. So with that being said, let's get into our discussion about pricing and scaling, because this is what you and I were talking about, uh, and this is where we can kind of bring Microsoft into this. Microsoft is doing a version of generative AI. Again, this isn't for everyone out there, Microsoft what Microsoft is presenting isn't the full scale of what you can do right. with generative AI. This is only the tip, and that's because Microsoft needs to scale it to a potential, and this is just the Office users, 400 million users. This is not, uh, this is just for people using Windows uh, and who might use Windows 12 with Copilot. This is not to say all of their enterprise seats, which are much larger than that. They have to figure out a way to present it and make money off of it 
without losing a lot of money. And right now, generative AI costs a lot. So get into that uh, if you want to a little bit. Well, one, what what consumers need to understand is the hardware involved to make generative AI work is immense. We're talking GPU power, we're talking CPU power, and I have seen some reports say it's a hundred times fold anything we've ever done. So what what just to do something like you send a quarry to Copilot right now, I had someone tell me that okay, that GPU is consumed for the moment that you sent, you know, send your complex quarry to Copilot. Well, multiply that folks. It's not just my query, it's not just Kareem's query, it's as you said, four hundred million people constantly querying this thing and then when you go further into your queries like say you ask it to write a piece of code to count from one to ten i'm going to just give you a simplistic example it spits that piece of code out you use that piece of code and then you say well i want it to count to ten but i want it to do it you know, skipping a number or or do a number every three seconds. It has to regenerate the whole thing and do it again. So your cost skyrockets just with your one query to get the answer that you need. And to your point, we've got to figure out a way to price this where companies are not going in the hole. We talked about it last week. What was it on Copilot? Not Copilot, but uh, GitHub. Uh, Get GitHub's Copilot, yeah. Yeah, wasn't it eighty bucks a person? Didn't I? It got up to you, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was eighty bucks a person. So multiply that out. You know, companies right now, Microsoft. I'm not gonna say Microsoft is losing money, but they're bleeding money on AI. Google is bleeding money on AI. Amazon is bleeding money on AI. There's got to be, unfortunately, subscription. We're going to get another one. I don't know how it's going to be factored in, but it's got to be. Yeah, I mean, if I had to kind of do a layman's analogy, it is where we. It is going to be where we are at in streaming. Uh, when yeah. Netflix finally decided to take off and kind of leave behind its uh, disk service for a streaming thing, what it ended up doing was it told investors, hey, we have a business model. We just need you to keep throwing money at it until we can figure out exactly where the consumer is at and how to charge them. And as you've noticed, I think it was just yesterday, Netflix raised its price again because it's okay. still figuring out the balance of producing content and making a profit because they had investors at the time just dumping money into it. Businesses right now are dumping money into it with the hopes of they'll figure out a way to return that money once they get enough people using it. And that's what Microsoft is doing. And Microsoft has watered down their version of it in order to get as many people using it so that they can figure out a way to scale that revenue uh, once they can lock us into you know, paying for it at some point, paying enough for it. So you know, if they come out saying you know, in 2024 that anybody who's on Windows who wants to use the Copilot features, uh, it's a $3 subscription, 250 whatever, some very low number. What they are doing is they're playing the calculation game, saying, okay, we started off, we think with all our number crunching, with all the usage data, with all the telemetry, that at 350, we can make this amount of money back. And then, you know, say people sign up for 350, and instead of using it once or twice like they used to do it during the week, now they're using it, you know, mm -hmm. uh, every every 20 minutes to figure out different things for work. Now Microsoft's going to have to readjust that pricing, and you may see 
in a year or so that that price goes from 250 to 10 bucks at some point you're like whoa why did you jump more people are using it because more people know what to do with it because they have more access to it and that's kind of what we're seeing with streaming like you start off you know with i think netflix start off at like eight dollars or something like that nine dollars we're up to almost 20 something for for the yeah, more servers. than doubled so uh that's where we're gonna and i think the same thing we're seeing microsoft because we're microsoft centric and they are the, some of the first businesses to kind of scale right now but google will be doing the same thing amazon will be doing the same thing uh so just you know we're i think microsoft in order to stay ahead is less about the technicalities of it versus the implementation of it i think google may leapfrog them within the next two or three years because they have android unfortunately and microsoft has no mobile access point for people uh for people who aren't supercomputer literate to get access to this. I mean, Google Assistant, having it on your phone is very killer for, for Google in getting it, you know, more people to use it than Windows, upgrading to Windows 12, as we talked about. You know, there'll be a certain percentage of people who stay on Windows 11 who are, or Windows 10 who are just fine with that AI. But everyone has a phone, and most of their phones tend to be within five years of each other uh, as far as upgrades are concerned. So when they get the new phone, guess what? Bam, there it is with the new uh, assistant on there and people are using it left and right people's pcs they might let them languish for seven to ten maybe 11 years and you know maybe the next upgrade isn't even to windows it's to mac os or maybe chromebook or something like that and they'll never have tried out copilot so microsoft's in a bit of a will be in a bit of a bind when it comes to that kind of thing uh, and staying ahead now again they can come out with some stuff that we have never seen, some use use case scenarios by next year that makes sense, that have everybody using it, at least on their PCs enough to, to then want to put it on their phones manually through like, you know, Microsoft Launcher or a specific Copilot app or something like that. But as of right now, they're limited. Uh, and it's going to be interesting to see how they stay ahead, keep ahead of other companies that have the mobile aspect to it. Well, I know uh, I'll give you a good example. My brother bought a Google Pixel 8 Pro, bought it yesterday, and he has been an iPhone user for the last 15 years, ever since the first iPhone came out. He's been 100% iPhone, and uh, he just decided on a whim to pick up the Pixel 8 Pro. And where I'm going with this is it was interesting to watch him open that phone once he got it set up he he's a big photo taker big photo taker he's got two kids they travel a little bit he's got thousands of photos so he's going around snapping these photos and he's using all the features in the pixel 8 pro of removing the backgrounds you know how you could how google showed that you could use ai to modify your photos he's using he gets a lot of spam calls he's using the ai features that they showed to answer you know the phone and handle the prompts and get rid of the the spam call and he's looking at me going i've never had this before on my iphone you know and i i kind of i kind of smiled and i went this was his first experience with ai folks because he has been an apple user he was the apple ecosystem guy and i'm watching him go through this process and i'm i'm thinking it reminds me of when we used to walk around the grocery store and the lady would have her table set up and she would have, let's use chicken nuggets. She would have chicken nuggets cut up uh, all in little pieces and it's, it's this new brand of chicken nugget. 
you know, and she's giving them to you for free. And that's kind of what Microsoft is doing. They're giving it to us right now for free. They're getting us interested in it. They've got us curious. Okay, and what they're going to do, and Google may do it and others as well, is later, okay, for three bucks a month, you can have the whole bag of chicken nuggets. You can have the whole, the whole package. And then we're going to see what AI can do what it's really capable of because right now we're seeing the watered down version to bring us in make us curious there may be even be a second watered down version that's a little bit better than this one if we're if microsoft and google aren't seeing the numbers and the uptake and the interest they may say okay look at what this language model can do now and how many freebies if you will what they have to give us before the public says, okay, we want this. And like you yeah. said, with, with Netflix, as soon as we say we want it, they're going to say, okay, here's where you put your 16 digits, your expiration and your three digit code. <laughs> Pretty much to put a, a button on this. Uh, I think we will say that uh, G, uh, generative AI is expected to experience significant growth uh, and investment over the next few years with the potential to reshape industries and become a foundational element in enterprise, uh, digital business, even content creation to a certain extent uh, in platforms, uh, you know, barring anything catastrophic happening. You know, AI told someone they would kill themselves and they did. And now, you know, it's it's a, a marred product. Uh, you know, aside from that, uh, it's, you know, this is an investment, I think, that has, it is real. I know people were kind of joking at the beginning of the year that this is just Microsoft, you know, kind of latching on to the, the latest thing. And the year before that, they had latched on to the metaverse. Uh, just to like let you guys kind of put this in context, Google had not mentioned the metaverse once while Microsoft and, and Meta, Facebook formerly or whatever, went off the deep end with it. Mm -hmm. Google is invested in this big time. Same as with Amazon. So this is not just, you know, Microsoft talking and blowing up smoke about the metaverse because it has a partnership with Facebook slash Meta or whatever. This is every company saying like this, there is ways to do this. This is your, you know, uh, you know, they'll probably be using it at the IRS in order to do quicker audits and things like that. There is practical uses for this beyond putting on a headset and playing around in a social media atmosphere online. Like people can use this to make money, to collect money, to uh, produce things that also, uh, again, help generate money. And at the end of the day, that's that's when you know a business is real and when a product or a uh, solution is going to take off. And I, like I said, it's we're at this point now whether or not Microsoft can maintain this momentum being amongst the first to kind of announce it. And I'm going to predict it now. I don't think they will. I'm not saying that they're going to fall far behind and that they will be sur surpassed. I just think that they will be very limited as far as uh, most consumers are concerned. They will still be an enterprise. They will still have all the solutions for that platform. But I think Google is best positioned to be sort of both uh, going forward. So uh, we'll keep an eye on that, same as we did with the cloud, as we're doing cloud wars and whatnot. So uh, we'll chalk it up as another battle to kind of keep an eye on. I'm going to ask you one question, and we can close it here, because I don't think there's an answer to this question yet. What do you got? You have mentioned Google or we have mentioned Google. We have talked extensively about where Copilot will go. 
But there's this other device out there that dominates every year in the mobile market. Ah, uh, the Nintendo Switch. All right. No, no, so no, 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 Nintendo no, no. <laughs> what, what is Apple going to do to put their stamp in the generative AI? Because just like I was talking to my, you know, watching my brother yesterday, that was one of the most interesting personal experiences I've ever had was seeing him. You know, we've had AI, as you mentioned, basically for eight, nine months now, we've had some form of it that we have had access to that is public and Apple hasn't done anything. So, uh, well, I mean, we, we talked about this and we'll get into it maybe next week. Uh, we'll, we'll have a, a we'll revisit this topic, but because of their privacy stance, which they're either going to have yep. to bend on or break, uh, they will be relying on transformers and machine learning on devices in order to kind of compensate for generative AI in the cloud. And again, this may be to their benefit because they will be using much less resources. They will be using their chips that they've already invested in and already made. They will be probably dedicating CPUs uh, to it, processors to it. Uh, again, they won't be using cloud stuff. It may save them money at the end of the day, but the results, the comparative analysis and generated answers and things like interactions will be somewhat limited but still accessible to a lot to a, a vast majority of their users uh, so i see them being you know a, a trailing third place alternative to generative ai with their you know, super advanced machine learning on device stuff i think that will be good for them that's a spot they could comfortably sit in uh, but it won't be to the extent of what google amazon microsoft IBM, Salesforce, and everyone else can produce because they're willing to kind of look at the peripherals of privacy and security and opt for that, uh, you know, kind of leave that behind and opt for the cloud because uh, they also have cloud investments. So I think those companies will stay on top and Apple will do what they do. They kind of just linguish right behind enough to be worrisome to everyone, but not a true killer or threat to it could be and i think the other truth that we have to kind of throw in here is most of us use google and we don't use bing now you know that that's the reality folks we're a microsoft based website and and we cover you know but we also cover everything and the reality is most of us use google and i think Google is quietly doing things. You're noticing, I've noticed it this week, that up in the top, when you make a search on Google, has anybody, and leave it in the comments if you have, and I'll finish here, has anybody noticed how those results are changing just about on a daily to weekly basis and how just a few weeks ago, at least I, were, you know, if you searched a product, you would get the generative AI blurb above it. You would get the sponsored links below it and then the general links on Google. Well, I've noticed in the last few days, I'm now getting shopping options to where I can click up in the AI blurb and go straight to that product and even now have choices as to where I want to buy that product. So, Google is quietly doing things, and I think they know that they have the majority. And I think when they finally say, hey, here it is, it's going, like you said, it's going to be a big thing. And Microsoft may struggle to, I think they'll always be second place, I think, but they'll have to struggle to stay maybe position 1.5. 
Agreed. Uh, with that being said, we will be getting into our hardware section, which uh, we have a lot, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, we do. We have a lot of hardware that came in. Uh, as far as what's going to be reviewed or at least released next week, I should have my Surface Studio Laptop 2 review finally done. Uh, I just got in a Galaxy Book 3 Pro 360, which has now become my new favorite laptop of all time. I think this is... Samsung has kind of shown OEMs, I believe, what to do and how to do it uh, for the average consumer. Again, there are businesses, purposes, and applications for that, uh, you know, Dell just gets right and Lenovo just gets right because they have those consumers. They do very well with those. Uh, but uh, I do want to talk a lot about that. Uh, I, we also have some ThinkPads coming in for both of us uh, that we'll be reviewing pretty soon. Uh, and uh, the Galaxy Tab that I got to finish reviewing. I uh, should be getting a Pixel as a review unit so I can compare that as well. Uh, cameras and phones and whatnot. Um, and then uh, I have a bunch of uh, microphones and cameras and things like that that I'll be reviewing. Uh, again, those will be the following week, I believe. So if you're interested in, you know, uh, upgrading your microphone or your cameras or your webcams, uh, stay tuned for that. How about yourself? Well, let's see. I just put up the Lenovo 5i gaming desktop review i've got the 7i laptop review going up this week with some gaming comparisons i know i had talked about it in the last couple of weeks how we were comparing desktop and laptop performance that will be going up as you mentioned i got so i got my uh, box of thinkpads yesterday um so i will be digging into those i've got a right here to my right i've got a chromebook plus that i'm about halfway through writing and the surface let me make sure i get this right the surface laptop let's see go yeah thank you the service laptop go three there we go um i don't know um that right now as you said for me that is my favorite carry laptop my favorite throw it in the bag with one glitch that i found and i was hoping this would not be the issue there is no backlight on the keyboard on that device whatsoever but what microsoft did do for us is they they teased me they teased me hard this is what made me think i was missing it they lit the fingerprint sensor and i was working in bed last night and it was a little dark and i was actually typing on one of my reviews the room got dark i said well let me turn on the backlight to the keyboard nope and speaking of when i that, that didn't work. When I asked Google about that up there in the top, I got the AI response that it did not exist. Did it, did it just say Chromebook Plus? Yeah, <laughs> it, 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 it did mention Chromebook Plus in my specific response. Uh, so, surprise, surprise. Uh, so um, that was, and I've got some networking gear for the networking folks out there that are interested in um, corporate storage and I've got some Unify equipment for uh, Unify Dream Machines for those that are interested in that. I know that is very popular in the small business world. So I've got that coming up. So we should be busy with reviews. And who knows what else we'll get between now and the end of the year. Um, oh, so we before yeah go ahead. Say, before we wrap up too, I just wanted to mention I just reviewed the Geekom uh, IT13, uh, and I had some issues with it. Uh, it's still uh, the concept is great. Uh, the specific unit that I got was a bit overkill, so to speak. Uh, and that's kind of led to my issues with it. I also recently got uh, uh, an email from a from a reader who also had some issues with their 
uh, Geekom, and it's I think going on to the same thing I was talking about as far as the heat and uh, airflow through the device itself can lead to longer term issues potentially. I haven't experienced them uh, in my reviews so far and my usage of them, but uh, that is just something to keep in mind for those of you who are thinking about that particular brand of mini PC. I'm going to back him up on one thing there. He got the Intel i9 version. I got the AMD. I got the AMD Ryzen 5000 version. Mm -hmm. And I will say, my unit does run a little bit cooler, which that's part of the AMD DNA. They do run a little cooler. But I do agree that under sustained load, I w I'm and I plan to continue using this unit. I like it. It, it does office productivity and light video editing very well. I'm interested to see what the long term is because we also did. Uh, we call them Ace Magicians. I've seen them Ace PC. I've seen them under three or four different names. We saw. We have also reviewed a couple of those. Those struggled a little bit more when they got hot. So I'm interested to see, do the geek comms struggle over time? As you mentioned, you know, do yeah. we start to have issues with them? I hope not, but fingers crossed. these things are getting smaller and smaller. And as we've seen with laptops, when things get smaller, the heat doesn't change a whole lot. You've still got to cool I mean, it somehow. They're getting smaller. Unfortunately, Intel's chips aren't. So with that being said, where can people find you on the internet? David PAJ1978. I'm calling it Twitter. Sorry, Elon. It's still Twitter. Uh, I will call it Twitter as well. You can find me at Mindhead1 on Twitter, uh, Kareem Anderson on Threads. And we want to thank you again for joining us for another week of Microsoft News. If you have any questions about AI or where Microsoft's going to go in the future, just type it into Bing because we don't have the answers. Uh, but if you do want to talk about or read about any of the rest of the news that we may not have covered uh, in this particular podcast, please go visit on Microsoft.com or you can go visit us uh, on Twitter as well. We put up all of our headlines and, and they have links to our posts as well individually. Uh, like I said, thank you for joining us. Go enjoy your weekend. Have a good weekend, folks. Thank you very much.